In order to further focus our thoughts this evening, we're going to continue in our study of Acts that we've been walking through on Sunday mornings. And we're going to specifically reflect on Acts chapter 9, verses 19 through 31. So let me read our passage. You'll remember that Paul was radically converted as we walked through it last Sunday. And Ananias lays hands on Paul so that he might regain his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Scales fall from his eyes. He regains his sight. He rose and he was baptized. Took some food and he was strengthened. Picking up in the second half of verse 19 then of chapter 9. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed with the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So Lord, would you lead us now? Would you help us? Would you bless us with your presence? And Spirit, would you specifically open the eyes of our hearts that we might see with greater clarity this very night the impact of the death of Jesus Christ. Lord, we only need to, for a moment, contemplate what it would be like if Jesus had not offered his life on the cross and was not raised from the dead. But even as we think in a sober-minded way this evening, we rejoice. We rejoice because you raised your son from the dead by the power of your spirit. So I pray that you would cause our hearts to be stirred within us this evening. And I ask this 
In the blessed name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. So, a striking element of this section of our story is, is the immediate transformation of Saul. The man who is more famously known to us as the Apostle Paul. So recall that, as, as Art taught us just this past Sunday, that up until the moment when this happens, until Jesus appears to Saul on the road to Damascus, according to the book of Acts, according to Luke, Saul was on a search and destroy mission to annihilate the people of God. Saul had gone to the high priests in Jerusalem and asked for letters to the synagogues. That is the synagogues in Damascus where he is preaching now. The reason he asked for letters is so that he could lawfully bind any followers of Jesus that he found and bring them as captives back with him to Jerusalem. His plan was in in full swing. That is, until the crucified and resurrected and ascended Christ, who is the reigning king of glory, until this king revealed himself to Saul personally. As an effect, Saul is blinded, he is silenced, And he is humbled by Jesus. For three days he ate or drank nothing. The text says that he stayed with the disciples in Damascus for some days. Verse 20. And immediately, immediately he begins preaching about Jesus, calling him the Son of God. So the radical and the Immediate transformation of Saul, it's, it's striking to us. It's striking to us as we read the account. And it was striking to the people who were experiencing it in real time. Verse 21, all who heard him were amazed. They said, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called on this name? So this evening, as we begin to think about, as we begin to contemplate more deeply the significance of the death of Jesus on the cross, I want us to remember that that this account is not just about Saul yielding to a superior power. That, of course, is true as far as it goes. But it wasn't just that Paul was was like a bold spokesman for nation A. That is, until nation B, who was stronger, showed up. And so Paul just switched his allegiance. He just changed jerseys. He just did the expedient thing because it was convenient and practical. And by practical, I mean far less dangerous. Something deep, something dramatic... Something very real happened to Saul on that Damascus road. What did Paul see? 
Remember, Paul hated followers of Jesus. He hated them with a zealous passion because he thought they were liars. He thought they were blaspheming God by by claiming that, that this rabbi from Galilee who was crucified in an extremely public way, they were claiming that he was alive. This man, Jesus, was a supposed heretic from from Galilee. Crucified under Pontius Pilate. He was declared dead by his executioners. He was stabbed in the side. Blood and water came out. He was laid in a tomb. But this dead man, or should we say formerly dead man. He spoke directly to Saul from heaven and announced to him that he was anything but dead. Because of this experience, Paul would never, ever be the same again. It's not just that Jesus proved his power by announcing himself from heaven and by blinding Saul as as dramatic and as impressive as that is. The devastating, the far devastating, more devastating reality for Paul is that because Jesus is now alive and he knows for a fact that Jesus is alive now because, because he's seen him, Jesus appeared to him on the Damascus road There's a far bigger problem for Saul now. Now he also has to deal with the claims of Jesus. Now he also, because Jesus is alive, he has to deal with the message of Jesus. So this this proud Pharisee now needs to look at his own heart and consider what did Jesus mean? What did this king mean when he said, I came not to call the righteous, I came not to call those who are blameless as it relates to the law. I came to call the sick. Which one are you, Saul? The transforming reality for Paul was that in his blindness, for the first time, he now had eyes to see the significance of the death of Jesus with crystal clear Clarity, blind and humbled. Paul, as it were, had to stare directly at the cross. And he had to examine his own heart in light of the reality that God's Messiah, his very own son, hung bloody, cursed on a tree. What to make of that in light of all that God says about the coming one in the Old Testament? Paul had to grapple with that. Now, I want to I cover what Paul saw when he looked intently at the cross. But, but before I do, I want to I bring in a second stream of thought from our passage. Because... The other fascinating aspect of our passage, of this, aspect, of this aspect of the story, is that basically it takes place in two cities. 
And if you have your Bibles, you can look at it, because you could see it just as easily as I can. The first part of the section, it takes place in Damascus, where Saul was. And the second portion of it takes place in Jerusalem. But what's fascinating about it is that essentially the exact same thing happens in both cities. In Damascus, followers of Jesus, they wonder about Paul's conversion. Verse 20, what do we make of this? Is it sincere? Because if it's not, we're all in trouble. If this is a strategy, we're dead. But what if it's real? God changed even this man? God captured the ultimate enemy of the church and transformed his heart? And he did it with such ease that instantaneously, this persecutor of the church started proclaiming the good news about Jesus? What are the implications? In Damascus, Saul preached Christ and he confounded the Jews who disputed with him, verse 22. What's fascinating about this section is as it transfers into verse 23, it says, when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Paul says something fascinating in Galatians 1, verses 17 and 18. Because at this point in history, the southern part of Arabia was just above Damascus. And Paul says that after he was converted, he was originally going to go to Jerusalem, but stayed, into, stayed in Damascus and then went into Arabia for three years and then returned. So imagine what the Spirit was teaching Saul during that time. It's fascinating to think about. And in fact, we know a lot of what he was teaching him because we have the rest of the New Testament. But unable to defeat him, the Jews in Damascus then plot to kill Paul, verses 23 and 24. He escapes because fellow disciples help Paul get through the wall. There's a little hole in the wall, and they put him in a, a basket like a, a giant hamper and let him down and out because they were, they were watching the gates. So many of the cities, because of the dangers of that time, were walled entirely around. But there was a hole in the wall through which Saul could escape, and the fellow disciples helped him do it. That's what happens in Damascus. Then in Jerusalem, here's what happens. Followers of Jesus are fearful, and they question Paul's conversion. Verse 26. Thankfully, Barnabas vouches for Paul. He takes him directly to the apostles and, and says, I saw him proclaiming Jesus. And he saw Jesus on the Damascus road. So Paul immediately preaches boldly in the name of Jesus. Verse 28. He disputes with the Hellenists, that is the Greek-speaking Jews, and he, he confounds them again. And so because they couldn't defeat his arguments, they sought to kill him, verse 29, but the fellow disciples once again help him to escape. They take him to the seaport of Caesarea and put him on a boat so that he can go home to Tarsus. The exact same scenario unfolds. So... Our first stream of thought, then, is how do we account for Paul's radical and immediate transformation when he saw Christ? That's our first stream. Our second stream of thought is 
why do the Jews want to kill Paul as soon as he starts preaching about Christ? And notice that these are two streams, two ideas that are pointing in one singular direction, namely straight at the cross. Paul was devastated and he was radically transformed because when he was confronted by the cross of Christ, that is the message of Jesus, he repented of his sin and he turned to Christ and placed his faith in Jesus when Jesus appeared to him for the salvation of his soul. The Jews who were in Damascus, the religious leaders, and the Greek-speaking Jews, that is the Hellenists in Jerusalem, when confronted with the cross of Christ, they rejected it as they had done before because they could not bear the weight of its conviction. They tried to destroy Saul. That is the one who through his preaching and teaching held up the cross directly before them. So then, what is it that Paul saw? What is it that Paul saw and received? And what is it that the Jewish leaders saw and and rejected about the cross of Christ? Further, what is it that we need to see? What is it that we need to think hard about this very blessed Friday evening? The tragedy is that what the Jewish leaders saw when they looked at the cross was an offense. When they looked at the cross, they saw a stumbling block. That is, when they looked at the cross of Christ, they saw an obstacle to the way that they thought about God's Messiah and that had huge implications for their lives. There was an obstacle to the way that they wanted to live their life. So they rejected it completely. Is that what you see? When you look at the cross, do you see the cross as an obstacle to the way that you really want to live your life? I pray that that is not the case for you. If it is the case for you, I pray that God would, God would open your eyes this very evening and that you would see what Paul saw after Jesus appeared to him when he contemplated the cross of Christ when he thought hard and meditated upon the reality of a crucified Messiah hanging on a cursed tree. Through the power of the Spirit, after Paul met Jesus, what Paul saw when he looked at the cross was that his own heart was desperately in need of forgiveness from Jesus. What Paul saw when he looked at the cross was that None is righteous. No, not one. No, not even him. Romans 3.10. What Paul saw when he looked at the cross was that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God, most notably the one Saul now recognized as the chief of sinners. Romans 3.23. What Paul saw when he looked at the cross was that it was impossible. In light of the obedience of Jesus, now hanging 
on a cross. It was impossible to be justified by the works of the law. But it was possible to be justified by faith in Christ. Galatians 3.16. What Paul saw when he looked at the cross was the answer to the question, who will deliver me from this body of death? Romans 7.24. What Paul saw when he looked at the cross was that his record of debts with its legal demands had in fact been nailed to the cross. Galatians 1.14. When Paul saw what he saw when he looked at the cross was that as a matter of first importance, Christ died for our sins. And he could say, Christ died for my sins. 1 Corinthians 15.3. What Paul saw when he looked at the cross was that the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this evil age. Galatians 1.4. What Paul saw when he looked at the cross was that the demonic powers had been put to open shame because Jesus had triumphed over them on the cross, Colossians 1.15. What Paul saw when he looked at the cross was that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8 and verse 1. What Paul saw when he looked at the cross, as he stared at the cross and he thought about the law, what he saw was freedom, Romans 8 and verse 2. What Paul saw when he looked at the cross was that everything else he had earned, he now considered loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord, Philippians 3.8. What Paul saw when he looked at the cross was the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 4.4. What Paul saw when he looked at the cross, perhaps most stunningly of all, was that he wanted to be crucified with Christ. He wanted to be crucified with Christ because the life he now lived, he lived by faith in the Son of God, who Paul said loved me and who gave himself for me. Galatians 2 and verse 20. The reason that we know that's what Paul thought is because every one of those were Paul's words. Every last one. This is what Paul saw that set his heart free. This is what radically and immediately transformed him. So this is the question that I want to ask you this evening. And frankly, I want it to linger here and linger in your minds as you leave even tonight. The question is what, what do I see when I look at the cross? Not what does my spouse see? Not, not what do my parents see when they look at the cross? Not what does my growth group leader see not, not what does John MacArthur or Matt Chandler or John Piper see when they look at the cross. Not what the elders see when they look at the cross. What do I see? What do I see when I look at the cross and behold the love of Jesus Christ for me? Is it a nuisance to me? 
I can't be bothered with it, to think hard about it. It means nothing to me because I don't need his forgiveness. Or is it life to you? Because you, you know, you know you have no hope without it. No hope without the forgiveness of Jesus, your sins being washed by his blood. No hope without his obedience that he exchanges with you. This is a question between you and God. So you may want to ask the Holy Spirit, help me to see what you want me to see. But Spirit, help me to answer honestly when I ask, what do I see? What do I see when I look at the cross? Lord, would you speak to us right now? Speak to us by your spirit. Speak to our hearts. Only you know where the places of brokenness are and how deep Only you know what sins you have forgiven us. Only you know what we need to see. Would you please help us to see it? Spirit of the living God, minister to your people. Help us to look at the cross and not to turn away from its reality until you have shown us what you desire for us to see. And give us eyes to see it, I pray. And I ask this in the name of Jesus, our beloved Lord. Amen.